The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, Mash Minute. Welcome back to another episode of Mash Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film that sometimes still holds up one minute at a time. I'm Megan <laughs> Coleman. I'm Tierney Steele. And I am a guest on this show. <laughs> My name is Chris. I'm with the EAA Aviation Museum in the Apollo 13 Minute. Uh, welcome, Chris. Uh, Thanks, you've been, Chris. Yeah, if oh, you've been listening, it. you know, Chris is a huge mash nerd just like us. He's fit right in, and this has been great. Yeah, and now we get to drag you into our Men Are the Worst discussion <laughs> of the movie match. <laughs> <laughs> What, but, what minute did I fall into here? <laughs> all of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this specific one is minute 37. It starts with Mulcahy delivering the punchline of one of the most famous lines in the entire movie. Oh, and it line. ends with Radar peering through a tent window as people sing Hail to the Chief. There's not a lot of transitions in this movie. It's just kind of... It, it's it just, just is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But it made sense at the time because what happens in this movie is that Mulcahy responds he was drafted perfectly. There is no gong because that was the trailer, <laughs> which still throws me off every time, though. I expect it to be there. That makes sense. We end on a comedic beat into the next scene, which is about the fact that Colonel Blake is leaving for the night. So then we see what happens that night once he's gone. I mean, it's, it's, it's not totally crazy. No. no. But um, do, do we want me to talk for like an hour today about the doctor's draft? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not an hour. Okay. Should I just If you give out? the highlight reel, that would be good. Cool. So <laughs> I think I've mentioned before even they talk in the show about how they were drafted because they were doctors. Actually, at one point, I think it's the movie when Frank says, oh, all volunteers. And Hawkeye says, yeah, some volunteer. I was under the porch, you know, trying to pierce my eardrum when they showed up or something <laughs> like that. I know when Honeycutt comes, he talks about being drafted straight out of med school and how crazy that was. And in the book, there are more details about how Actually, you could sign up for the army and they would kind of help pay for some of med school or something. Yeah. I, I forget the exact details of what was covering, but the idea was you were getting a break on the cost of becoming a doctor by serving in the army as a doctor for a while. That a doctor's draft, so they drafted doctors in Korea because they needed them i mean like do i really need to say that sentence out loud in the world we couldn't put that together and i found a really interesting article that i'll share from the york dispatch reminiscing looking back 1952 york doctors joined war effort and talking about how some doctors had already been drafted 
had been there, had done their max 24-month service, we'll get there, <laughs> and were supposed to rotate back, and now people were worrying that more doctors were going to be called from their town because, after all, they had already had to shift everything. And mm. all these doctors were registered. They're in the selective service, and they're high, you know, they're needed. Like, there is this thing of you have this specific skill that makes a difference. My dad missed the Vietnam draft by a little bit because he was still in high school when it ended, but barely. And the worry, and my mom was still having this worry years later when he's like, calm down. Like, I don't think I'm getting sent to Kuwait. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do a draft for the first Gulf War, which wasn't the first Gulf War at that point. But um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he had done military academy. And so by that point in high school, a lot of his friends were saying, well, even if you got drafted, by the time you got over there, maybe the war would be over. You know, things were clearly winding down. Maybe I'd be okay. And my dad's sitting there going like, oh, crap. I have a straight ticket past basic because I've already done all that training or not all that training, but basically instead of six months, instead of six months, he would have had about six weeks for basic. Wow. And so that makes a big difference when you're trying to bank on (laughs) agreements getting signed before you would be sent over there. And so that has always been in my mind of, Even as a kid, I understood, like, oh, so all guys have to sign up in case there's a war. And uh, that also grows out of my grandma being a kid in World War II and having, like, I swear, a million uncles. Like, there are just so many guys who were the right age in her life. (laughs) (laughs) And which wars were you there for the duration and which wars had a time limit? Like, I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't somewhat aware of that. Now, I wasn't aware before of the Berry Plan, which you can Google. I only bookmarked the Wikipedia, so it's fine. <laughs> Berry, B-E-R-R-Y. And that was when Vietnam was heating up and they said, we sh- we'll have to do a doctor's draft again like we did in Korea. And basically, he's like, yeah, because regular drafts are going so well for us right now. <laughs> and it was basically to incentivize people <laughs> to serve. <laughs> And that was, let me pull up, um, there were different things you could do. Like, there were basically different levels so that you were serving some, or you could defer your military service while you were in residency. So after all, maybe by the time you're done with residency, who knows what's going on over there. So, yeah, the, the idea was you would get less resistance because they, oh, uh, that, the doctor's draft of Korea met with objections from the American Medical Association. Shocking. So in 1954, <laughs> when Korea's over, okay, we've got some time to figure this out. They figured this out. And so it was in place starting in the mid-50s. That was a terrible explanation, but hopefully people <laughs> got it. And, and yeah, so Barry Plan replaced drafting doctors, but all these guys... Unless, unless you were like Blake, who is an army doctor. Mm. And the TV show, Colonel Potter is an army doctor. Yeah. Like there were people who made their career of this, but then during times of war or crisis or conflict or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> <laughs> it 
if you have these skills, you're going to get called up. <laughs> so I'm continuing my trend of just talking until I run out of steam and then being like, so, um, the sorry if anyone else wanted to, like, talk about things. Um, we're, it, well, Kay has a really good line here. He does. He's drafted. Explains so much about this movie in a way, right? <laughs> yeah. It does. <laughs> like the clear and division the between right the show right the clear division between the people who are like I'm here only because I'm forced to be and the people who are there because they kind of signed up for it voluntarily. Maybe not career per se, but the military in yeah. general. Yes. <laughs> Right, because there's that line in the TV show where Frank says something like, I love war or something, you know, um, yeah. where they're having the picnic out on the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never have so many suffered so much That's so right. few could be so happy. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> and then they get all sad, but Margaret and, and Frank get so sad when there's rumors of an armistice, <laughs> and they just remind themselves they're just rumors. <laughs> <laughs> the war the war might not really be over oh frank you know you're just like Ugh. i always love and it, it's a really famous clip it's used all the time with the like these two are ruining this war <laughs> for all of us and thank god <laughs> trapper and hawkeye in their movie form are gonna get a chance to ruin this war for Burns and Houlihan in a scene that will be basically reenacted for the TV show. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, basically. Yep. Burn, uh, uh, Burns is going to be in full charge while Colonel Blake is away visiting Hammond in Seoul, I believe he says. Yep. First, we see Colonel Blake, before we learn this, walking out of the latrine past his tent to get into the Jeep. And I gotta say... Pro or con, living that near the latrine. Shorter walk. <laughs> True. Smellier air. <laughs> Depends on which way the wind's coming. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, which way the wind blows. <laughs> I didn't expect the commanding officer's private tent to be right there. Right there. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's kind of close to the OR in a way, too. We get our little radar Blake interaction talkie over adorableness i was really confused that major burns is in full charge but i think it's just the way they chose to you know say that line i don't think that really means a difference but i had a real question because i looked up cq which is charge of quarters which is the service member guarding the front entrance to the barracks Mm -hmm. but in my, you know, clear military history of YMCA sleepaway summer camp, <laughs> that's OD, which I thought stood for on duty, but I am not well, right, thought, according oh, to the acronym finder. I thought OD was officer on duty. Yeah, or officer of the day. Yeah, right, oh yeah. Day, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's supposed to be officer of the day, and they use that on the show. But, yeah, there's but, a whole episode about it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so why are they using? Be- because because it's summer camp, <laughs> and we did it wrong. <laughs> Oops. We did it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it came out of officer. The person who has to stay behind is the officer of the day. 
which got shortened to OD, which we've decided stood for on duty. You're on duty when you stay behind, when everyone else has time off at night and you sit at a picnic table in the middle of the cabins and write letters home or do your summer reading that you hadn't even cracked open yet or something like that and hide from skunks. But apparently we should have been calling ourselves on CQ the entire time because that's the idea. (laughs) Oops. I mean, I wasn't guarding a front entrance. I was mostly yelling at people. I see your flashlight. Turn that off. And all right, you can go to the, to the lighthouse. Our our big bathhouse was called the lighthouse, but where's your buddy? Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I had to look up CQ and then that led me to question huge chunks of my child well teenagehood but i can bring it back to this minute of i got a real chuckle out of does volmer not trust radar (laughs) because blake brushes him off as i gave everything to radar he's like yeah but but and that's when he asks about cq and i'm just like has he learned already (laughs) 37 minutes into the movie has volmer figured out that radar is not his friend (laughs) (laughs) because radar is one of the guys in a way that volmer never is yeah yeah it's true yeah i never uh i never understood that i guess i i struggled with that part too of what was going on there part of me is it or, or was it just henry blake and radar had that relationship even though that wasn't the proper protocol, that's just what happened. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've worked in places like that as well, where it's like, okay, <laughs> so. Oh, that's how you know you've made it when you can hand your boss what he's looking for before he can tell you what yes. he's looking for. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Radar had that instantly with Blake. Mm. Yeah, one of my favorite, uh, actually, one of my favorite scenes in the show is when Harry Morgan comes on, like one of the, it's like the first episode as Colonel Potter, and he's basically like, "Well, I don't believe in that." You know, and and you won't be able to do that with me. And then Radar immediately just starts doing it with Colonel Potter. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, I just thought that was just a neat, uh, neat scene. But uh, and I guess that was improvised. Like that wasn't planned. I, I thought I had read somewhere this wasn't planned in the movie. Early on, when they were starting to do it, the the characters uh, Gary Berghoff and I can't remember who plays Colonel Potter in the, in the movie were okay. stepping on each other. And they actually started to play it that way in some of the reads. So then they just had him do it in the movie that way. And I thought that was where that sort of started. I, I I could be wrong, but I thought I remember reading that somewhere. Was that where that's where it got its start? The radar of the book is much more the the radar is he can hear things from far away. Okay. Um, not quite as much of the the seer anticipator. Right. Um, but he always knows things ahead of everyone else because he can hear it there is some of it and there is some overlapping in the script like the idea was that radar i guess because in a movie there's no there isn't really a good way to show like he can hear things from two tenths over (laughs) right and so it's easier to show it as he can say what someone's about to say but that just got (laughs) turned up to 11 once altman came on as director i mean it's if you look at the script it's it is kind of there. I I know he wants to take full credit for it. It is kind of there in Ring Lardner Jr.'s... In the script. but In the screenplay. But it, it it's magnified. And absolutely, once they figured out that they could do it well, I'm sure they started doing it every single scene. Just because they could, yeah. you know? Yes, I'm sure some of this came out of that, but it's one of those weird things where it's like, 
where does this really and it's the same thing we always run into with the book and the movie and the tv show of like where did this really come yeah. from and and like you said margaret Houlihan is based on a real person but how much is she based on a real person is it just that they had the same nickname and job like or is she a composite you know she, yeah these things kind of together. built up over so much time that by the time Harry Morgan's on the TV show MASH, you can just play radar like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's ingenious, right? I mean, it was a genius way of doing it. So oddly enough, I and I don't know how much the of that part. I God, I wonder if we can get him. If you guys can get him for this, and, and <laughs> I'd be happy to help. But I don't want to. I don't want to misquote this. So let me make sure I try to get this right. But my coworkers husband's uncle if that makes sense was the inspiration for radar um was he was in the 8055th mash and they just told me the story not too long ago he lives in iowa and he's he's uh, you know i I wonder i i can ask her tomorrow if if she would uh (laughs) uh, if he'd be up for doing a a radio or you know an interview so (laughs) it would be neat to have because apparently what happened was he felt it was based on him okay and then he eventually got to confront uh uh, and he just asked me, am I radar? Like, because uh, that feels like I'm radar. And he just kind of laughed and was like, yeah, I, I kind of based radar off you. <laughs> so, Aww. so he might be a cool, you know, we'll, I'll ask him if, he, if he'd be available. Yeah, if he's if he's up for that. His name really isn't um, radar. His nickname wasn't radar, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by that because I, when I was in high school, the I was stage manager and the director's husband of course was one of she did not claim he was the because so many people claim they are the but one of the inspirations for Bluto and Animal House because after all it was friends with and it's just like so many people claim that yeah but then I met him and I was kind of like I could see that you (laughs) don't write people so I I and it, it's so funny because I'm a writer myself and I wrote a series of books. Well, I've got three. There will be more. But this is ser- three's a series. It's a story that I actually started writing when I was still a kid. And it has changed so much over the years. But there is that little original kernel of 14-year-olds aren't very good at coming up with original people. So you have people that you know and you start with them. And I've now been writing these people for so many years that I don't think of them as the original. In fact, I've actually reversed it. I called the real person by the name I had made up. And I was like, wait, wait, no, that's not it. (laughs) There is always that little part of me that's like, if I publish, like, do I need to give people a heads up? Like, where did that line? Did I cross that line? Where is that line? How do you decide? And so that gives me a little hope for the world that this guy was just like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's a weird thing. And you know what? I don't know that we've talked enough about the weirdness of Richard Hornberger. (laughs) AKA, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, is it Richard or is it Bill? Uh, Shoot, now I can't remember his real name versus Richard Hooker. Yeah, Hornberger's um, his real name, right? Yeah, but yeah. is it the same first name? Is it Richard Hornberger? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Richard. That's what Richard. I was yeah. Richard said the same. Yeah. He just changed his last name. Okay. For the book purposes. Which ended up working out well because it then did. later when they had things ghost written, it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've always been fascinated reading the things by him uh, and about kind of how his attitude changed over time. Because <laughs> he did not write an anti-war novel. No, no, not at all. And by the time you reached the season finale of the TV series MASH, oh, goodness. <laughs> this was not his uh, his vision, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> uh, yeah. He actually, when he wrote sequels, he would specifically write in things to kind of piss off Alan Alda and Gilbert and whoever else was creating Hawkeye for the TV show. <laughs> so yeah, Hawkeye is a much less likable person in the books. Somewhat oh, on yeah. Purpose. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking about the actual sequels he wrote, not the goes to books, which are just for fun. Dash <laughs> <laughs> like, goes to Maine. And then there's like a lobster with some legs. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, Megan, I, I may cut this out of the final episode just because I don't want to make promises I'm not ready to keep. Go but... for it. I have Mash Goes to Maine and Mash Goes to London, and I'm definitely at least doing a sweepstakes of getting rid of Mash Goes to London. Is it that bad? I I just, I've read it, and I don't need to read it again. Well, yeah. Sort of thing. And my Mash Goes to Maine is actually a hardcover that's signed Ooh. by Richard Hornberger, but it's in quotes, so I don't think it's actually him. Oh. But that's also, he wouldn't have signed that because it's a stage, so maybe. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I think it was just some friends joking around and then eventually donated it to yeah, whatever book sale I got like, it. Yeah. But, but Mash Goes to Maine, like, that's a legitimate sequel. And yes. and I read it, and it's fine, but I don't, like, love that. But I, I would absolutely, I'm never getting rid of my little mass market paperback of the novel, especially now that I've done this show. Like, that means a lot to me now. Yeah. But the sequels don't really... And so I'm like, well, that's a giveaway I could do. And all I have to spend money on is the postage of sending it to the winner. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, there's a little peek behind the curtain no, for you. That's it. That's it. I'll know when I see the announcement. Like, haha, I know about this. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'll, I'll give you an automatic entry. <laughs> awesome. I suppose it is time before we get too far down the road. To talk about this with Leslie. Oh, here we go. I hate this move yeah, by Blake. It's just sort of... It's such a move. Uh, it pisses me off. So clearly she... I like to think she came out of the post-op board and she notices that Henry's in the car and is like, yeah. oh, I should say bye to my boyfriend. You know, I love you. You're doing great. And he's like, oh, I love some shirts. <sighs> like, really? That's, that's what you want to tell somebody? <laughs> Really, in a war zone when he well, may not come back. I mean, great. Like chances are he's going to come back. And we did mention like, before still, he like, is incredibly awkward with her in public. This is true, but it still seems really awkward to just be like. It oh, pisses yeah, me off because he says, "There's some." No, there's he some says, "Can you ask that Sumi to sew them on?" But he knows she'll offer to do it. <laughs> it is an awkward exchange. So just ask her. Just like, hey, I got these shirts. Is there any chance you've got time? If yeah. If you're really bored. Yeah, if you're really bored, you know, would you be able to take care of them for me? I mean, it's still But it's normal sexist. 50s okay, sexist. You know, like, yes, I guess that's true. Just assuming because she's a nurse, she also knows she, how to sew. She does know how to 
Like it's a, like we automatically know, know she should be happen. very good. So at it's hard, Charity. It is hard. I love the story of it's Noah hard. Wiley when he got cast on ER. His mother, who is an actual nurse, made him sit down with a chicken at the kitchen table and learn how to put in stitches. Wow! So that when he did it on the show, good it would look her. right. <laughs> Actually, I I saw an article recently that said that they're having trouble in medical schools teaching surgeons because. The people oh don't God. know how to sew, like, even do basic sewing. And so there, I actually saw um, in a librarian programming group that I'm in that uh, someone was like, oh, well, for summer reading, we should teach the kids how to embroider constellations. So when they go oh, to medical oh. school, and I was like, first off, that's a pretty big leap. But like, okay, I can, yeah. I can see where you're coming from, but that's not going to justify this as a STEM program, <laughs> but sure. But yeah, like sewing can be harder than it thinks. But yeah, I mean. I suppose yeah. she could do it, right? Because she does. And she does on she's buttons. Like, oh, no, 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 I can do it. Hard. It's not super hard. No, I should. It's yeah, just, it's not like a buttonholes. Oh, I hate doing. It just holes. annoys Ugh. me because he's playing it off as like I'm not asking you to do this. Just you know, do you mind getting someone to do this? And the minute she says, "I'll be," it's it just it's such a move. I don't know how else to say it. It's just ugh. And then coward. I know. And then the whole jacket thing. <laughs> Coward, you know what? If you're gonna have a girlfriend in a war zone and she don't be a coward about it, especially since yeah, it is a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my oh no, it was sent to me. Like, no, like, like, stop being and that sucks because she know. I mean, who else would have sent it to you? She knows, right? I mean, just been like, oh, thanks, it was a gift, just leave it at that. Don't be yeah. like, oh my, well, because he, yeah. I don't know. I've never been in an affair. <laughs> I don't plan on having an affair. But, but you'd really like to think if you did, work, you'd be so. better at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like to think that I would. Yeah, maybe the way I'd say that. Yes. Just oh that, I, you know, God. there's certain things you just. Well, I mean, no, my, my actual thought was that, you know, you would have to know. I mean, I'm sure she does know that there's a wife, but, you know, and he, you know, I don't know. Maybe Leslie has a boyfriend mm-hmm. or a husband or something. I, I'm i not going to judge. Oh, my go God. Ways. Megan, you're but, right. I have been on my high horse for right, almost an I, hour, I feel like... and you're right. She could be cheating just as much as he is. Right, but my point, my point is, I feel like maybe if you're in an affair, you're supposed to pretend that like the person you're cheating on doesn't exist when you're with that yeah. person. Well, and that's right? I mean, he catches himself messing up. Right, I mean, he catches himself, but it still seems like they've been together long enough. What a double standard I've been employing. I'm so sorry, Leslie. Maybe she, I mean, and I don't, maybe Maybe you're, I've been assuming you're a young, innocent girl, and you know what? That is just as sexist. I mean, she still could be. Yeah, she could be. She still could be. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe she's got a guy in the side somewhere else in another match. I need to go sit with myself and think about feminism for a while. Like, like she goes to the 8063rd and she's just like, hey, Randy. I don't know. Like, I just think you should have. <laughs> Is that a new God, character, no. Randy, from the 8063rd? 80, 80, <laughs> I That's love awesome. it. <laughs> All right, folks, we need a backstory. Yeah. Who is Randy from the 8063rd? Go. <laughs> Go. And I want to know also how they managed to meet each other. Because not, I'm not saying that the match is Yeah, maybe this was one of those exchanges. Saying, or maybe he got transferred for reasons. <laughs> oh. Was Blake involved <laughs> in a mass shoot-it where romance goes bad? <laughs> Comes the story. That's okay. I've been having a lot of fun because my kid is now becoming a little bit more independent and a little bit more curious about things. And so I've been, we've been you know, these are your toes and socks go on your feet. And, like, things are starting to finally click for him. 
And um, I've realized I can't say the word body without thinking about Margaret. She's she's at a conference in uh, Tokyo, and she calls back to Frank, and she's telling him about, it's a nurses' meetup, but there's a guy there, and she she mentions the name Joe, let's just say. I don't remember what it was. And she goes, cute, but dumb. He hasn't got a brain cell in his whole body. Frank goes, Margaret, why do you say body like that? What do you know about his body? (laughs) Just like completely ruined me for the rest of my life. Anytime, anytime because of his whole body. (laughs) And she's like twirling the phone cord around her finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. See, if I try to pull these references, <laughs> where probably other librarians You're in like, a safe place. Yeah. I, like, I don't understand. Like, what are you talking about? Like, MASH? Uh, I mean, even the small references. A were specific like, you, episode what? of MASH? <laughs> I know, but that's the other thing, too. They're like, why would you know that? Like, why wouldn't even you that, know that? Even that reference you made a little bit ago when you were like, you got it wrong. I'm like, ha that's from an episode. <laughs> Like, nobody else would get that. I mean, like, everywhere else I've ever been, people would be like, what's so funny about that? Like, like that's a mash joke. <laughs> it's the teacher. Um, so, Chris, everyone in America, actually more than America, but everyone had mash come into their life at some point. And so we've had you on as a self-proclaimed huge mash nerd. And I'm just wondering... How did that happen? You know, how did I become a mash nerd? Yeah. You know, I uh, I was born in 1980. So when I grew up, I believe it was, uh, the show was, you know, when I could remember, it was already on in reruns. Mm-hmm. But it was like fresh reruns. So it was the shows you were seeing like right before the primetime shows would come on. And my dad was a Vietnam vet who, my dad loves his country. He supported, uh, he supported his troops. Uh, but he hated the army, and um, <laughs> so he also was drafted. <laughs> so, so he had a very love-hate relationship with the army. And for whatever reason, he really identified. Uh, he really wouldn't talk about his time in Vietnam, but he identified with a lot of what you see in Mash. That's the only show he ever watched uh, about the military. Um, there was one other show we'd watch as a kid. It was called Black Sheep Squadron. But uh, um, oh, yeah, Robert Conrad, and you know, yeah. Um, but this was the only show, really, that I remember him watching. He, he would never watch a Vietnam War movie, just not his style. So I have a lot of great memories watching this as a kid. And then, you know, I grew apart from it up until I was in flight school. And when I was in flight school, somebody told me that I, my humor reminded them of Hawkeye. And I'm like, I remember the show, but I don't, you know, I, I'd have to go back and watch it. So I got a couple DVDs from a friend I borrowed and started to watch it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then went out and bought the entire like 11 seasons big set that comes in the kit and everything and just got right back into it. But when I got back into it, I was an airplane nerd. So I really started getting into the history of MASH and and MASH units. Um, But just like anything else, I'm also, I'm a really big TV show nerd. So I started getting into the history of the making of the show. And then I got really interested in, in things like, you know, that, about 70% of, at one point, 70% of the storylines were coming from interviews with actual MASH veterans um, mm-hmm. that they were interviewing. They were interviewing actual Korean War vets to get some ideas for to, to have things to put into the episodes. Because they started repeating. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was remarkable, though, that, like, talk mm. about ahead of its time. Like, you're making a show that uh, is about war, but it's not you know, it's about the people in the war, not about, you know, so many other shows were about either the hardware 
or the a complete goof like Hogan's Heroes or something like that. And suddenly there was a show and, and that, that was a little bit more truer to the actual experience of the people there. The other thing was Hawkeye the hero. He was the first hero, TV hero, I ever saw who cried. Not saying that you know there aren't others, but that was the first one that I noticed in the episode of, um, I think it's Sometimes You Hear the Bullet. Mm-hmm. He cries for his friend. And in a time that I was growing up and you did not see the tough guy hero cry jovial hero he never cried and here was this guy feeling real things and i was attracted to that character i just was like that is awesome because you know you're in war how can you not go through something like that and cry and to me that character became stronger the other thing i will fully admit is i love sydney friedman and <laughs> i saw early on i saw an episode with him and i thought he was uh, pretty hysterical too and and Love the whole thing. So that's how I got into it. And then I got into the historical aspect sides of it. And then I just got ruined. You know, and <laughs> then I went to work for a medical helicopter squadron. And that's literally like all we watched at nighttime. So, and, uh, so, so when did you encounter the movie amongst all that? So it was really interesting. Uh, so I bought the, the DVD set. And someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, the TV show is great. You ever see the movie? And I'm like, there's a movie? And they're like, yeah, there was a movie first. And I remember I turned it on, and I, I got, like, probably 10 seconds into it. And I'm like, there's lyrics to the song? Like, <laughs> I never knew this, you know? I mean, and I remember I watched the movie, and I just sat there, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this, because it's not Alan Alda, you know? And it's not mm-hmm. the cast that I'm used to seeing. Um, but the more that I've, the older I get, I guess, the more I see the, the value in both of them. They're different, but they're cool, and... Without one, you wouldn't have the other. So, yeah, that that that's uh, that's my story, though. Mm. The, and I'll, I'll tell you another funny story. It was uh, We went to this museum in Kansas. And by the way, we had been on a major road trip. It was for work, a bunch of different museums. And we go to this, like, Kansas Museum of the National Guard. And I'm like, you know what? I'm beat. Like, I'm just going to sleep in the car. Like, I don't need to go into this one. And I'm exhausted. I've been driving, so I'm going to go ahead and take a nap. And everybody knows I'm a MASH fan, and my buddies go in. And I literally get a phone call, like, 15 seconds later. And I'm like, what? I was going to take a nap. And he's like, oh, my God. Of all museums, this is the one you have to go to. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, dude, they have the swamp for MASH in here. I'm like, okay, I've been to places that have a cheesy tent. They call it, you know. And I go yeah. in there and I'm like, oh, dear God, like, this is, <laughs> when I send you guys the, the pictures, you're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Like, it was, it was really <laughs> cool. So, yeah. So now I've just been scouring the earth, finding other MASH fans and clinging to them. So. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. I've already made, like, two new best friends through doing this. So it's all good. Yeah. That's and I'm awesome. becoming even closer to one of my best friends. So. Hi, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> We partly bonded because who else brings the entire DVD seasons on? D- I can speak. Who else brings? Oh, all exactly. The DVDs In two thousand seven, eight, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. I actually you think my favorite too? was that it took me until an hour, two hours into my mash themed birthday party to realize we were the only two people in the room who had seen a whole episode of the show before wow (laughs) and actually i shouldn't say that because i think by that point chris had seen some by living with me but like (laughs) i was gonna say he lived that was it and uh I mean, gently suggested that he also sit down and watch it with you. That's awesome. Hi, this might be useful for you. (laughs) But he got me my little Hawkeye action figure, so it's all good. Oh, that's awesome. I? 
Yeah, uh, it's the best. Yeah, I'll just it's I'll just send you some pictures of my thirtieth birthday party, which was all mash themed. Oh my god, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it was like she I got ordered me high. A case. Legit, she oh, got great knee. That it was sounds so cool. Truly <laughs> fabulous, and all the drinks were themed because we had uh, extra purpley was the grape knee high. <laughs> A better dead than red was a vodka martini. Wow. A mother's milk was a gin martini. All American. There was something because there was Coca Cola too. I had something for that. And then all yeah. the food was mash themed. So I got a can of spam and my lamb shaped Easter cookie cutter and made spam lambs. We made <laughs> ribs. We made French toast. I bought kimchi, uh, oh, watermelon yeah. fudge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how cool <laughs> it's is really that? fun. Yeah. Oh, and I dressed up appropriately uh, as well. I had dress. to make sure yeah. I was dressed and up. And then like we a... made a sign post yeah. with everyone who was attending's hometowns oh, in the distance and stuff. Oh, cool. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife and I it won really a fun. costume party uh, one year. Uh, we went as Hawkeye and Hot Lips, and <laughs> my wife is a blonde, and she wore the a pair of like green fatigues, a mm-hmm. black uh, sort of turtleneck with dog tags, and I wore a. Uh, I got off easy because it was it was actually a warm October, um, so I wore shorts underneath a red robe and a cowboy hat, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, and just I drank the entire night out of a martini glass, and we won the we won the contest. So <laughs> it was That's you awesome. Know. But you know, talk about lasting power, like. We went dressed as two characters from a TV show decades ago, and everybody got it immediately. They were like, oh, you guys are Hawkeye and Hot Lips or MASH. Like, I mean, wow. that's incredible. And there were a lot of younger people there. I mean, that totally yeah. got it. That, like, you guys are from MASH. It's, that says something. And I'm still, like, I'm a history geek, I, and I, get, I love sharing history with younger people. But I, I, I still say that one of the reasons that, enough that, that more people know about the Korean War was because of MASH. I mean, that... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that uh, that's a big mm. you know what do we know I mean, you, what does the main the, the main population know about Korea it's like oh yeah mash <laughs> you know I mean that's <laughs> for airplane people it's mash and f86 sabers that's pretty much uh, well, everything we know so mash and yeah. the olympics <laughs> even that's uh, a while back now so maybe not anymore yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I, well, and that's just it. You know, I, I started to feel very old the last couple of days. I was giving a tour to some, some students in junior high, and I mentioned, you know, this is the type of airplane that was in Top Gun. And, like, nobody had seen it. I'm like, what? Top Gun? You know, like, Danger Zone. You know, like, nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, did I get old? <laughs> you know, this, is Top Gun old? You know, so... Um, you know, it's very well, I have interesting, to go but but mash drink some hemlock because clearly I'm ancient. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you can't tell because it's a podcast, but the look on my face <laughs> is probably close to the shock <laughs> emoji right now. <laughs> like, like what? Yeah. What? I once had somebody. I did a display like about the '90s, and I put in <laughs> floppy disks, the ones that didn't actually flop. And some kid went up to the the glass and was like, <laughs> "They're they're real." I was like, excuse me? And she's like, I've heard about these things. My dad used to tell me about them, but I didn't think they were real. And I was like, <laughs> well, there you go. It, it, do you know about the Spice Girls? Because <laughs> it was like next to the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I once had my, my cousin ask me once what the world was like when it was black and white. And, you know, and he was young and I'm just like, yeah, that, you know, that, that is, that didn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it definitely didn't happen in 1985. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, we had cool stuff like DeLorean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. Take that kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take that. <laughs> All right. I uh, I think I'm gonna climb in my DeLorean and head to bed. Uh, just saying, in the movie Back to the Future, when Michael J. Fox is asleep, you see the magazines on his bed, st- his headboard. One of them is Reference Quarterly, which is a librarian magazine. That's oh, wow, that's awesome. It makes no sense that it's there, and we're pretty sure they just picked it because they liked the color of the cover and it worked. But that is an F, that is an issue of Reference Quarterly. So, Back to the Future is a librarian movie. You heard it here first. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute blast. <laughs> I love hearing all these stories, and I'm pretty sure I could come out to Kansas and just sit there and listen to stories for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. And if uh, we work it all out, it'd be cool yeah. to do uh, to see you guys do your last show in the swamp. But, uh, um, but yeah, absolutely. And if you come out to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, we can get you a lift in, the, in a Bell 47 helicopter. So... Oh, that's right. That's right. This will be a multi-state tour. Yes, it'll be a multi-state <laughs> match tour. Exactly. Yes. It's a but I do want to thank you for having me on. It. This is uh, this has been a real honor and a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. And uh, you can find Chris around the internet. He is in a few of the different movies by minutes groups. I I think I've seen your name pop up. Yeah, I've been in. I did pop- like a couple episodes of the Airport Minute. Yeah. Jim O'Kane is to blame for a lot of that. But yeah, I've I've been in the Airport Minute and the Apollo Thirteen Minute. I'm a co-host <laughs> with him. And uh, uh, Megan's or- laughing because I recently had to send him episodes, and I'm like. Megan, I mean, they're good enough for my qualities, but what if they're not good enough for Jim? <laughs> oh, no, I was I was just laughing at how you dragged oh, yeah. me into yeah. this whole, like, podcasting oh. world. You're yeah, exactly. You're the hard work yeah. to edit it. <laughs> I'm just more like, just send me the password. Just, just wait, sure Megan, that's what I was. Uh, we'll a couple of years ago, I was a young, innocent co-host I... babe as well. I know. <laughs> I know. I know, we always talk about how we should do Animal House. I'd do it! I'm just saying! <laughs> but that's another story. And that's a tagline from another podcast story. I did. We don't have an outro tagline for ours. We're too cool for that here on MASH Minute. No, we don't. We'll have to, you guys have to think of something cool for that. Best care anywhere or something like that. Uh.